0: I'm really looking forward to talking to our next guest, Mike Cleary. He played 140 games for for South Sydney, 13 for the Roosters. He represented New South Wales on 11 occasions. He played for his country in eight test matches in Rugby League. He also played for the Wallabies in six test matches, a former uh, Galloping Greens at Randwick and New South Wales representative in Rugby Union as well. And he also won a bronze medal at the 1962 Commonwealth Games in Perth for the 100 Yards. He was a multi-talented sportsman, went on to an extraordinary career after he finished sport. And it's a great honour to have Mike Cleary on the show this morning. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us, Mike. And when I was talking to Dino that I was going to ask you to come on, I was looking back through your career. And do you sometimes look back and realise what you achieved on the sporting field, Mike?
1: No, I don't really. I just, every time a door was opened, I just took it. I, uh, I think it, I'm 82 now. I was born on the 30th of April, 1940. And I, I went to Waverley College, and I, was, I had two conditions that weren't even defined. They used to call me a hypoactive slow learner. It turned out to be ADD and dyslexic. Okay. So hmm. I, I just took my steps that I could, and I, I was always running always as a young fellow no one could catch me the milkman couldn't catch me mum and dad couldn't catch me there's one time their mum hit me with a pill because I had rotten tooth and I wouldn't go to the dentist every time I went to the dentist I'd run away <laughs> so I took these pills and I got my bicycle and I was running down to Bondi and uh, on the way back from Bondi I kept hitting the gutter. I wonder what was wrong with me and when I went to go into the driveway I hit the corner post. It was a, a pill to knock me out. I, I finished up. I woke up in the lounge room about six hours later with about seven teeth out oh, of my mouth. But you know, that's the sort of fella that I was. I, I just I ran. I just took off. I mean, I, I, I started at Hardy Street, Dover Heights, and then Dad built a mansion at uh, Seventeen Rodney Street, Dover Heights, which was right opposite the police barracks. Not the police barracks, the army barracks. The yeah. war was on. Yeah. and we we lasted 12 months in there and we finished up getting evicted because <laughs> my older brother Bobby uh, taught us SOS and when the blackouts were on we were sending SOS signals out the window so the uh, <laughs> army
0: got, got evicted and
1: said you're out you can't do that he said I've got five kids he said well you're out so he went to his local member and the local member said, "Arthur, you better get out there as quick as you can. Those imbeciles, kids of yours, have been sending SOS signals when the blackouts were <laughs> on. So they moved us down to a Street, which was down the road but away from the cliff face. Mm. And we stayed there during the war. So you know, it was a, an active life. I, I ran around Dover heights like I owned the place, and uh, <laughs> no one could catch me. I just, just, just Amazing. ran, ran, ran. Mm. Went to school at Waverley College when I was seven, and uh, I remember." I remember a school assembly in 1948, Brother Lacey, all on the tennis court, which is now the swimming pool at Waverley College. And uh, there's a fellow called Morris Carotta who was brought, mm. brought back to the school. And uh, they were honouring him because he was going to the 1948 Olympics in the 440. And I can remember this, and I said, gee, I wonder one, one day if I could do that. They gave him a, a travelling bag and a, and a carry case. And uh, that's when it all started, I suppose, that I you know, started interest in sport.
0: Mm. Mike, that's a tough start for yeah. you as a kid, but you must have, we well, must have had an incredible amount of uh, 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 resilience mm. to achieve what you did in so many different codes, and of course I in politics thought at the, way, the end. It
1: was part of life. I thought I just had to do it yeah. uh, up till thirteen years of age or twelve years of age. Actually, they could not catch me. They couldn't beat me whether it was handball, whether it was boxing, whether it was anything. I, uh, but then I didn't grow. I remember at, a, at a 13 years of age, I went into a 75-metre a race, and I ran under the tape. I was that small. <laughs> and from 13 to 16, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't even get in a, in an eighth-grade side. I couldn't even... Everyone could catch me then. But then at 17, 17 I went to, uh, again, at Waverly College, a, a racing carnival, and I did a 10.800. This is a... a 16, 17 that's, that's years quick, of age. Yeah, and I thought, gee whiz, what's, what's coming back? It's coming back. The next year, at 17, I went in the Cardinals Cup at the cricket at the sports ground, and I won the Cardinals Cup in 9.8. It mm. was unheard of. I said, oh, it's back, it's back. So I was in the first 15, I was in the first 11. I was back boxing champion, I was handball champion. I could do anything I wanted to do, I could do again. I, I, mum, mum used to say to me, listen, son, you'll be okay. I've never seen a small man with big feet. I've only got <laughs> size 10. so.
0: And you grew. <laughs> I,
1: you, know, I, you know, I grew <laughs> and, and everything came back to me. Exactly. Then I, then I was offered a scholarship to go to Stanford University in California. And uh, I thought, oh, gee whiz, I don't want to go over there. It's too far away. I mean, mm-hmm. it's t- talk about four days in a constellation. I'd never left home and I was pretty close to my mum and dad. So, uh, you know, I rejected that scholarship, and it was when Wally Maher and Cyril Towers came into my man, old man's shop at Bondi Junction, he's a menswear store, men's store, and uh, they asked me to come to Ramwick. So, Dad said, That's I don't know. So, when he came home, he said, Do you want to go and play for Ramwick? I said, Oh, all right, I'll go and play for Ramwick. This is 1969. So, I went down there, thought I'd get in third grade, finish up in first grade. And that year I finished up with 39 tries, and I, I've got a, a club record of eight tries in one game against Eastwood. So,
0: eight tries, yeah. uh, and you played for the Wallabies. It's amazing in, how it happened. Yeah, and you played for the Wallabies in 1961, just a couple of years later. That was the the era, Mike, obviously, of, of amateur sport was big. and um, Obviously, were, were you thinking then of the Commonwealth Games in Perth in 1962? Because you didn't go to Rugby League until... After
1: uh, the 62. Com Games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, no, what I was, I was actually thinking of the Olympic Games. Okay. I wanted to go to the Rome Olympics in 1960. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a, had a problem that no one could again dissect They, they what it was. And uh, Dad sent me to a doctor in Macquarie Street who, and I told him the situation. I said I was falling asleep in the car when I, I was out selling shirts then. I was, and uh, I'd, I'd fall asleep in the car. And he said, oh, I'm not sure what you've got. He said, I'll give you this tablet to take an hour before your race. Mm-hmm. So I said, OK. I took the tablet and went back for him. It had no effect. I said, "Doctor, had no effect. I said, what was it? He said, it was benzodrine." I said, oh, crikey. Thank God they didn't do d- tests then. I was yeah. all right. <laughs> but he said, you've got glandular fever. So I missed the Rome Olympics. And uh, funny enough, there was a match race at, uh, at Ramek Racecourse for the people who were selected, uh, Jim McCann and... Uh, Dennis Tipping and those people like that, and um, mm. I finished up beating them at the match race, but of course it was all over; all had been picked. So when I when I went to, went to Ramwick and uh, and I played against Fiji, and in that particular game I got knocked out. I was marking Joe Lavula. I got knocked out by a wissi Diwai who was a centre, and they dragged me to the sideline. and I came to, and I went back on the field and got three tries. And I think that was what, what, what so I believe Joe Maloney from South City, that inspired him. He said, well, if a bloke can get knocked out like that, then come back and get three tries, he's got to be have ability. Yeah. So I got St George offered me, Canterbury offered me, and Joe Maloney offered me from South, and the, I rang my father. And I said, Dad, they would want to talk to me. He said, well, you bring them down to our home. You don't go to their boardroom. You get them on, on our territory.
0: Good advice. We came to the yeah. house,
1: and we lived at Darling Point then, right on the water, quite an exclusive area. And then Joe said, "Well, I can give you a thousand quid." I said, "What for?" He said, "To play with South." I said, "No, I can't. I can't take any money." I said, I, "I've got. To, I want to go to the Commonwealth Games because I miss the Olympics." And then Joe said, "Well, you can play for nothing if you want to." So I said, oh, all right, what do I do? He said, well, you've got to sign here, but you're not getting any money. I said, oh, okay. Everyone thinks dad got the money, but no one got the money. I signed a <laughs> declaration that I, uh, I had, had was an amateur. And a, uh, actually, that year, too, I ran a, won a Frank Hyde Award, which was a Seiko watch. Now, the watch was worth 25 quid, which was $50. I couldn't take it because the limit amount of money you could take as an amateur was yeah, yeah. 18 pounds, $36. So I gave the watch to the secretary of the club and everything like that. So you know, I kept my amateur status. I I finished the 62 tour after playing Great Britain, and uh, then I went over the Commonwealth Games, mm-hmm. and, and that was another interesting time for me because uh, I had these beautiful pair of spikes, which had inch and a half spikes, so a solid uh, kangaroo made by a fellow called Smith, at a place called Lilydale Street at Marrickville. And I on I, I in this track. I was warming up. It was OK. I went to Geraldton a week before the Games, a little match, and uh, I, I, I ran a 9.3, which was a world record. Gee. I a fella called David Jones from England and did the same thing in the 220. This is on grass at the showground of, the, mm. of Geraldton. But when we came back for the Games, they let us on the track then. They wouldn't let us on the track beforehand. And... Uh, we're on a tight tartan track, and I don't know what a tartan track is. No one had told me what it was. It's finished up as this concrete base with synthetic grass top. And I've got these inch and a half spikes. I'd never heard of Adidas or Puma or anything like that. And here's the fellows from England and Canada, and they're taking their spikes, off. they're winding them out. They've really got Adidas and Puma spikes, and they're putting the little cricket stubs in there. I, no one even told me to go to the garage and have them ground down. So, in any case. I did a 9.4 in the heat. Then I finished up uh, getting through to the final. And we're going out on the Saturday for the final. And on your mark, my spikes, my spikes were rat, rat. They were rat. They are gone. They were mm-hmm. twisted and all sorts of things. But in any case, I got beaten by Serafino Anteo from Kenya. He did it 9.6. Tommy Robinson from Bahamas was second. And I'm sitting on the grass with a fella called Gary Hulsworth taking off my spikes, and up on the notice board it came: Antio, and Serafino Seraphino Anteo from Kenya first, Tom Robinson Bahamas second, and had Gary Hallsworth from Australia third. And I said, "Oh," and uh, he'd gone. He'd got up and left. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter. I just on the Thursday we're going out for the 220 final. I thought I'll give it, I'll get a medal here because I. David Jones, who I beat at Geraldton, but I didn't realise my spikes were in such bad condition, it wouldn't help me at all. But we're on our mark, and then the an announcement comes out stand up, stand up. So up we stood, and the uh, ground announcement says, Ladies and gentlemen, the judges review the photo finish. And it's Cleary from Australia Third, not Holesworthy. Ah. So the medals, it's Cleary's. And he says, on your mark, and I'm shaking like a leaf." I see, "I came in fists like, you know, I couldn't. After that, I couldn't run. But I went on to you TV. Won your medal,
0: yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, I went on a TV actually on the on a Saturday before the Thursday before the two twenty. I was with Seraphino I was Sirrati, uh, Herb Elliott, and Tony Madigan, a mate of mine. And that Saturday, they showed the, the relay, and someone made a comment. They said they've given the medal to the wrong person. I said, oh, yeah. So they played it about six times that day on a Saturday, and then that's what happened on the Sunday, That uh, on a Thursday, that when, when the 220 was on, that they reversed
0: the, the decision. You finally got the medal. <laughs> got
1: the medal, but I don't know where, where it came from. Gary had sent his home to his mother, so, so they couldn't get that one, but they found the <laughs> old one, and when you roll it over, you can see where they've scraped someone's name off it and they put my name on.
0: Hey, Mike, I might take you forward to Souths. Yes. Uh, you're involved in a wonderful era, premiership-winning mm-hmm. side superstars of the game, but I did want to ask you about Clive Churchill, the immortal. What was he like as a coach and and, and as a bloke for those that just didn't know him? The magic
1: of Clive was that he could keep people happy. The best coach was Bernie Purcell. He was a tactician and he talked. Clive used to crack jokes and make you laugh, make you be contented, and to used to control us then. But but, but Clive, Clive kept us very, very happy, and that's how it was such a friendly place. You know, that's the only game of rugby league I've ever seen, was I went to, with my brother to the cricket ground in 1958, and I saw Souths play St George. I'd never seen a game of rugby league. I didn't even know how it was... To, I didn't know a rule, didn't know anything about it. Mm. But I saw Clive Churchill play that day, and I saw, I saw Carney play in Proven. Um, so, but I can still remember that, but... Uh, Clive was an outstanding man. He was such a, such a gentleman.
0: Yeah. Mike, is it unfair to ask you, given, as Dino said, you played in that extraordinary era, era at South Sydney, is it unfair to ask you the best player you played with or against?
1: The best player I played against?
0: Or mm. with, yeah.
1: Well, the best player I played against, of course, McCarthy, Cooge, Sadler, those people are the best I've played with. The best, mm-hmm. the best I've ever played against... Two people, one was Kenny Catchpole from, from Rugby,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and the really other was Johnny Raper. I mean, there was Greg Gazzier, there was Langlands. they were brilliant. But those two had a, a unique thing about them. They could ascertain what was going to happen on the field, they could read the football. Mm. And like I remember in South Africa, Catchpole said to me now, Michael, I want you to come round, come come with me. I'm going to go blind, and I'll, your wing will come and get me, and I'll give you the ball, and you'll try. You'll give it a try. And that's what happened. And I can still remember Raper when I got taken up for New South Wales, played Queenslander. And Raper said to me one day, I'll break from the scrum, I'll take the ball, come with me. I'll, I'll go between the centres, I'll give you the board, you'll score a try. (laughs) And that happened. And they they could read every little idiosyncrasy that every player had. And they used to assess it very quickly. So to me, they were the two best players I've played played against or
0: with. Mike, South Sydney this year, um, no doubt you keep an eye on the footy. They're coming good, albeit they got beaten narrowly by the Panthers this weekend. Can they win the Premiership?
1: Oh, they can the way they're going. Yes, they're throwing the ball around, which is which is which is the game. I love it when they when they come to a left field because Johnson he looks at getting the ball there and he can he can score twice anyway. He's he's brilliant. I love him. Mm. But uh, as long as they keep passing the ball around and let the ball do the work, that's one of the things that Bernie Purcell taught us. You let the ball do the work. You can belt the hell out of it. It doesn't feel any pain. You can kick it. And it doesn't feel anything. So let it do the work. Don't get caught with the ball. That's mm. the trick of it all. Exactly.
0: Um, Mike, your, your career as a footballer finished in 19, 1971. You entered politics and had a, a lengthy career in New South Wales politics. You were New South Wales sports minister, the racing minister, a number of high-profile portfolios. But as, as a kid, I remember you also as the host of World Championship Wrestling, and and I didn't realise this when I was doing our research for this segment. But at the time, it was the highest-rating sports. Show on Australian TV. That's how popular it was. Dino, I remember um, Mike Mario Milano and and uh, Bulldog um, Brower, Haystack Cowlun, all these extraordinary names. Killer Carl Cox. Killer Carl Cox. Yeah, what was that era like of World Championship? <sighs> hey, that was
1: that was incredible. It was, yeah. it was a fun. I mean, Jim Barnett was the promoter. And I used to go to the wrestling on a Friday night with Don Rainer, who became a yep. very good friend. We lived at Darling Point, so we'd, I'd go and pick Don the up and walk across, across Rushcutters Bay to the stadium. Mm. And this particular day they introduced me at the ring uh, the ringside and they got a cheer, and Don got a cheer, and then someone else in the crowd got a cheer. And Jim Barnett approached me and said, I didn't know you were so popular. He said, <laughs> uh, how, would you like to, how would you like to join the wrestling? I said, I'll oh, turn it up. I can't mm. do that. And Two days, well, three weeks later, he another cracker me and said, would you, would you come and commentate? Oh. I said, I don't know anything about it. He said, look, everything is the lock, an arm lock, head lock, wrist lock, leg lock, whatever it might be. Yeah. And and, and uh, Roy Heffernan was a, was an old Australian wrestler, and he had a chart which had all the wrestling holes on them. So I studied the chart, and that's when I got into, into Channel 9 doing that. He said, now, it used to change, as you said, it used to Used to rate about a fourteen, which was a marvellous yeah. rating, and the, in the, in the tw- twelve o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we'd Ron Casey had come in, but no, it was good times. But I had to—they never taught me anything. I just had to realise what was going on and, 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 and work, work my own idea. So I did, and it was—it was fun. With good money too, you know. It was about $500 a week they used to give me then.
0: Wow, it was exciting to watch it. We
1: were in quids, weren't we? We were in quids. Oh no, dollars, we're in dollars, yeah, dollars.
0: Yeah, no, it was exciting to watch it. And just finally, Mike, you joined the Labor Party in 1965. You became a member for Coogee in 74. You were in state politics right through to
1: 1991. Why? Well, how I got into politics was, again, uh, South Sydney had gone into receivership and uh, a fellow called Joe Reardon had, had, had asked for a, a meeting with myself, my father, and, and uh, Bernie Purcell and Jack Purcell and a few other gentlemen to form a committee to try and get South out of receivership. Mm-hmm. And it was then when Pat Hills, back, back at that meeting, and I was with Don Lane too again, and Pat said to me, mate, have you ever thought of going to politics? I said, oh, I'm not interested. Turned mm-hmm. up, not in politics. And then um, Don Tugged my coat. He said, "Hey, Mike, don't don't miss this opportunity." I said, "What are you talking about?" He said, "You're 32 years of age. You've got no degrees, and you've, you have know, you've got a good job. But he said you've got nothing nothing to your name." So I said, oh, "All right, Pat. Yeah, okay, I'll have a go." He said, I said, "What do I do?" He said, "You got a sign here." I said, "What am I doing then?" He said, "You're going for the seat of Coogee." <laughs> I was playing for Ramwick and Dad was in yeah. Bondi Junction. I knew everyone in the area, and uh, I rang my brother Dennis. I said, Dan, I'm going to go into politics. He said, that's a great deal, great for He said, about that time he did something with a bit of substance. (laughs) He said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to run for the seat of Coogee for the Labor Party. He went, oh, Christ. I said, what do you mean, oh, Christ? He said, i got pre-selection tomorrow for the Liberal Party for the seat of (laughs) Coogee. What happened then? And Dennis Dennis was at New South Wales heavyweight amateur boxing champion. (laughs) He was captain of the surf club. He was playing for Ramwick and playing for New South Wales. I said, I rang Pat, I said, I can't. Run against my brother. He said, "Oh, you got it, you got you. I said, "I can't." I said, "We'll be built in hell out of each other in Billmore Road." I said, "We'll be She she said, oh, "I'm not going to run against him," and they didn't pick him.
0: Ah, oh, okay. So, hence your well yeah, long fun, career, Barry. yeah, long career in politics. And when you retired in 1991, in 1992, you were given hey. the Officer of the Order of Australia for your services to New South Wales Parliament. You also. Hang on, mate, I
1: can't hear you, the phony. Hang on. <laughs>
0: Sorry, go on. That's right. I'm just going through some of your awards, including the Australian Sports Medal, and you're inducted in the Australian Sport Hall of Fame in 1999. Look, Mike, we've only scratched the surface. It's been an extraordinary 20 minutes or so. We probably have to do this again, Mike, because there's so much more to talk about, but really appreciate you coming on a show on a Sunday morning.
1: Oh, I'd like to talk to Ray about some of the racing problems I had, yeah, because
0: he, he was he was riding then. Yeah, I know. I, I met you many, about 1991, yeah. I think it Mate, was. Hey, listen, right?
1: it's a pleasure talking to you. If you want to do it again, I'm t- only too pleased. Terrific. Okay? Thank Thanks so Mike. much, Mike. I've got to go. Ta-da.
0: Thanks for your time. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? I, I he was I, more important than us. He was that person on the other phone. He's got things to do, people to go to. Yeah. I remember watching what World Championship Wrestling. It, do you watch your? I remember Black a and kid, white growing days, up, yeah, on Channel crazy. 9, was it? Yeah, yeah, certainly was, was Channel 9 and Mike Cleary was a host. I can't remember who he co-hosted with, but it, it, it was extraordinary stuff. Absolutely loved it. But that was Mike Cleary. He is a true legend of Australian sport.